Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mace, and I'm here with Jay Jones. Good morning. Good morning. This is the first podcast of the new year. Yes, it is. Text Driven Tuesday. Kicking it off on this rainy day. Mm-hmm. It's a two cup of coffee type of morning. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually it's one. But it's at two today, friend. I'm ready for that sun to come in my uh, my living room or my my bedroom window at like six. You ready for that? It's too hard to get at up, George. It's six. No, it's, it's like dark. It's dark. <laughs> six. No, I'm I'm not ready for six, but I am ready for the sun to start coming out. Yeah. Yep. So here we are. How's the new year treating you? Well, started off with a uh, little round of the old friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if I can say the word without like our podcast getting flagged, but it ends with id, and we're not talking psychology here. <clears throat> so I had a little round with that. Um, that's how it started. How many times have you had it? And that's the third. That's the third time? I had number one. Okay. Original. The original. The original OG okay. uh, Chinese version. <laughs> and then I had, um, I guess, Omicron, okay. which was nothing. It was like having a cold. And then this one was like a really bad cold. But, I mean, it was weird. Like, um, just had head stuff and mm. low fever for like four days. Yeah. But... Yeah, it uh, made its rounds. It's still, it's going to be a normal thing. Still, uh, like, yeah, my uh, it's going to be like the flu. It's, we're going to yeah. have to live with it for yeah. all time. Mm-hmm. You know, right? I haven't had the flu though. I've told you before, the sickest I've ever been is with the flu. That flu I had was the year we merged together, bro. Like <laughs> I was, like I, I legit <clears throat> was like, I could see that that this could kill a person. Yeah. Like that's where I was. Mm. It's like 103 fever for like five days in a row. Mm. It was terrible. <clears throat> but yeah, never had anything like that with the id. But I know some people have. It's been really bad for some people, but yep. glad to be back. Glad to have, uh, to be healthy. You, you just take take that for granted. Mm. Every, every time, right? You're like, you get your health back and you're like, oh, I feel like a million bucks like a take on the whole world right when you get your health back i'll never take my health for granted <laughs> again i'll never take my health for granted again then you go get a greasy cheeseburger yeah. and yeah <laughs> and you're right you forget right you forget about it yeah yep yeah that's the way it goes yeah other than that it's good to go though man 2024 it's gonna be a somewhat of a year i think <clears throat> In uh, the good old U.S. of A. Mm-hmm. I already got aliens in a Miami mall. <laughs> we got we got this this year starting off. Where did that? Right. I, that I mean, I'm sure that you've you've followed it a little bit more than mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. So it was a shooting. Yeah, the the police the police were shooting, weren't they? I, I'm not sure if the police were shooting. Or okay. not. they blamed it on like there's a bunch of kids, like okay, a mob of like. Okay. 
and then it, it morphed into they were shooting at a 10 foot tall alien is that what yes. they were saying yeah. okay. supposedly there was um, so again like who knows if this is a psyop right i think more realistic here's the i'll give you the realistic scenario that i think is likely because mm. it seems like all police are on a gag order is what it looks like oh really yeah yeah <laughs> okay and people's electronics were like blanked out which of course we know the government could do mm. that we don't have to like say oh it right. was interdimensional beings who like you know nobody's electronics worked because mm. of this which is likely that i mean i you know i believe that's likely but more likely <clears throat> i think there was probably a, a terrorist incident mm. i think there was probably a, a terrorist incident and to uh protect the public and uh the administration the current administration the they're keeping it secret. Mm. The police response was unreal. Really? Did you see it? Uh-uh. Oh, my goodness. Like, it was crazy, the amount of uh, police wow. cars that were there. Mm. Like, it's something that you would think this would be the response if there was a terrorist incident. Yeah. Not if there was a bunch of teenagers running, <laughs> right. running around and get into, like, a gang fight. Mm. Wild. But then, yeah, people... What people, if it was an alien leading a, a terrorist? <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> possibly, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's possible that the psyop was yeah. like now everybody's talking about there was this alien mm-hmm. like it apparently this interdimensional being I and mean, this is what they are and we know what they are they're we believe <coughs> that they are uh that they're demons um and so supposedly they were like in the mall every people saw them and like immediately started panicking mm. It's like people are sprinting, like running. And this one guy who was apparently there, he's like, why aren't there any cell phone things? He's like, he's like, bro, are you going to take your cell phone out? And when you see what we saw, like everybody's just running for their life. Because yeah. they're apparently like phasing. They weren't, they were walk for a little bit. And then they would like. Oh, really? Phase to a different location closer. Huh. Like, blip. Yeah. You know? That's what people are saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so people are just running crazy. Yeah. What was this? Uh, Saturday or Friday? I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Over the weekend. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. It is. It is pretty crazy that there mm. are. There's no cell phone video of what happened. Mm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you pull that off. Mm. So. Government's getting pretty good at being uh, secretive. I guess. I mean, uh, Secretary of Defense. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think he. Was in ICU and no one, no one knew yeah. it did he for have, several days. Did he have id? I, they said it was um, an elective surgery that he didn't want made public. Huh? <laughs> but <laughs> here's the guy who's um, like he's the he's he's the the bridge between yeah. administration and military. Yeah, and he's he's he's, he's, he's in the hospital. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> where no one knows where he is. Apparently, the president didn't even yeah. know where he was either. Well, that doesn't. I mean, does that, does yeah. that, does that come as a shock yeah. to anybody? No, no it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the uh, yeah, twenty twenty four starting off right. It's it's going to be a year. It's going to be good. Yes, it is for sure. Yeah, but I thought I thought the sermon you preached was really good. Um, it was similar, you know. Before I got sick, I was mm-hmm. going to preach something similar, and you, right. but you did really really good job, I think, on kind of preparing people for any scenarios yeah. that may emerge. <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe I don't know, maybe not ten foot yeah. aliens maybe. phasing. Yeah. 
<laughs> hey, I'm just saying, you got to take your shot, right? Yeah. There's, there, you have a chance to live. Mm. Like, like I'm, you know, I'm already gonna live forever, eternally. But you know, after I die, you know, my my grandkids are gonna, they won't know who I am. Great grandkids won't, won't even probably know my name. But my I'm grandfather just saying, was the guy who headbutted an alien. I, it's, ha- it's gonna happen. <laughs> get, it happens in Lawton. Yeah, yeah. You're running I'm, towards. I'm it. grabbing the nearest object that can be uh, a weapon, yeah. and I'm gonna be immortalized <laughs> as a guy that was vaporized by a ten foot alien. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rebellion has to start somewhere. It does. Should... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we go too far off track. Just make sure my statue has me in my favorite jacket. See, this jacket right here, this is the wooby material from the army. Okay. So you see, like, why don't you ever wear another jacket? Mm. Because once you've found perfection, you don't need another one. All right. So as long as I have this on in my statue and a snapback, mm-hmm. it'll be good to go. Okay. All right. <laughs> we knew him when. All right. Well, we're starting a new series, uh, The Book of Romans. The Book of Romans. Book of Romans. Yep. Yeah. Finally going to tackle it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. You, you've been wanting to do it for a while. Yeah. What's been um, What's been kind of the process getting you here? Because um, you did, you did uh, so when you, so you've been here for what, um, nine years? Yeah, nine 2015. Yeah. Yeah, beginning of 2015. Okay. You, you got here like six months before I did, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so Philippians about nine years. Did Philippians did first? Philippians first. Yeah. Okay, like it's a, it's a good that's a good book to get it, for getting the church like on on task of mm-hmm. understanding like our together we're together a partnership for the gospel. Yeah. Did you jump in the John right after that, or did you? Have <clears throat> yeah, a, I, I probably did some other one off sermons, and then I went right into John. Okay, so yeah. you did John. You did John for what five years? Mm-hmm. Okay, then you did uh, Habakkuk. Took a break, so. Wanted to go Old Testament for a little while. So Zach, did, yeah. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, Jonah. Jonah. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So now now back, Romans, back to the New Testament. New Testament. Yep. Back, going for Romans. <clears throat> yeah. So what? What? Um, you, you okay? So you started with the introduction, right? Of um, Barry Bonds. Yeah. Is that Barry Bonds with an asterisk or without? <laughs> I mean, is there another one? I mean, yeah, they, uh, whether, you know, whatever your opinions are, Barry Bonds, you know, uh, PEDs can make you strong, but they can't make you barrel a ball. Yeah. You know, I played in college ball with several guys that took steroids and they'd come back, you know, 30 pounds of muscle on them the next year. Still can't hit a baseball to save their life. Mm-hmm. So his, his he's just on a different level. Um, Barry Bonds, most home runs in history. Everybody knows that. But the level of hitter he is, he's like he's a different. Even on major league hitters, he's a, on a different level. So his bat speed was so good. Drake and I were talking about this the other day. So if to hit like a ninety-five mile an hour fastball, right? They know like you're predicting the future. Your swing is starting like well before the ball is even close to home plate. His bat speed was so good, so elite, he could weigh an additional eight feet compared to other major league hitters. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, man. But he was super intimidating, a hitter. 
you know, he's he's the uh, I think he's probably the only person to ever be walked with the bases loaded to walk in a run so they don't have to pitch to you. You know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's where I started that <clears throat> intimidation factor. Yeah. So uh, Romans is the uh, Barry Bonds of the. New Testament. I feel like it kind of is. I think, you know, anyone can read the book and you can not just learn a lot, but you can be ministered to by God, obviously, because it's his word. So it's enough for, you know, to anyone can take that, but there are just sections in it that are just known. They're infamous Mm -hmm. for people avoiding them. Yeah. Um, I remember this was, um, I don't know. I don't know if this was like two, 2015, 2016. Uh, the uh, the Lifeway Sunday School material uh-huh. was doing Romans. And it had like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. They just skipped nine? <laughs> they just skipped nine. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. Um, it was, I mean, it was so blatantly <laughs> obvious. <laughs> it was wild. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what that's what um, people do. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if you're uh, like a, a, you don't have to be a topical preacher. I guess you could be a textual type preacher, but you don't preach expositionally through books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to grab. They're probably not going to say, "Okay, I know all of you guys were just dying to hear the end of Romans eight and nine and and ten and see how this all fits together." So that's what we're going to do. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. A lot of people have never they've never even heard those chapters preached before. Oh. You know. Expositional preaching like we do, it's kind of um it's more popular than it used to be. But kind of I think if you grew up our generation, there are a lot of people that have never heard, you know, any of these verses ever ever touched. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But we're gonna get there. Okay. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an intimidating book, but it also is, um, I mean, this this is like the book, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the influence of this book can't be overstated. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think it answer. was, I think it was Luther that said this was the most important book that's ever been written. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a few of his quotes I'll, I'll probably snag and bring out. Around uh, 16 through 17, because <clears throat> of that influence that it had there with him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he says, and there's an introduction to mm-hmm. the book of Romans uh, that he wrote, and it's amazing. Uh, but he says every Christian should read Romans uh, daily, mm. if not all of it, a portion of it. He said that, he said that every Christian should memorize it, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Are, we, are you going to try to memorize it while you're preaching through it, Jay? Uh, that would be awesome. It would be. I'm not going to lie to you, though, and say I am, because I'm probably not going to. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that would be pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. The whole book memorized. But yeah, um, you think back to the people it influenced. uh, Augustine Mm -hmm. was converted while reading a section of the Book Uh of Romans. uh, What, chapter uh, 13? Yeah. Um, 13 or 14. Luther m- most likely converted while studying 16 through 17. Um, obviously influenced Calvin. Um, Wesley was converted while an introduction to Romans was being explained from Luther's writings. Okay. They call it what are they, the heartwarming incident at Altersgate, I mm. think is what they call it. So, yeah. Um, 
It's uh, the fullest, I think, explanation of the gospel that's in the New Testament. So it's uh, it's important, very yeah. important book. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're just uh, you just preached a, an introduction, kind of laid out uh, how the book is put together, mm-hmm. um, and so we'll we'll just deal with some introductory uh, matters today. Okay. And uh, yeah, then we'll, let's do we'll it. Jump into it, but. Uh, the the thesis statement of Romans is at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. chapter one, verses sixteen and seventeen. So yeah. before we talk about the book, we can have you read okay. those two verses. This this is the it's the book uh, this is in the two book, sentences. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. really what it is. The whole book in two sentences. So let's throw that up on the screen. All right, Romans one sixteen through seventeen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. There it is. <clears throat> so maybe as we're uh, as we're going through Romans, I mean, it's it is if you've grown up in church, the Book of Romans should there there. There are familiar verses that mm. that people should know, and so I think maybe we can encourage the church to memorize maybe not the entire book, but these these verses. Mm-hmm. And there are some keystone verses in the Book of Romans, and these two verses, yeah, are two of them. Yeah, they are. Um, so if, uh, if as as we're going through the Book of Romans, as you're uh, as you're listening. Uh, to our conversation as you're listening to the sermons, um, I, I would encourage you to to memorize some of these verses. So memorize Romans chapter one verses sixteen and seventeen. Mm. Um, not uh, they're not they're not too difficult, um, and it will remind you of what the the main message of Romans is. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So let's uh, let's talk. Are you are you looking for? I thought something I had that find? handout in here, but I guess I don't. You That's all right. Your, you lose your stuff. Yeah, I did. What's the handout yeah. we gave out? That's okay. Yeah. So you did a you did an introduction, but that's not something that uh, either of us have really done. Yeah. Um, I think the reason why you did it is a good one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How long do you think it, you're going to be in Romans? So we we go back and forth. Uh, we have some breaks in summer and and Christmas. Uh, how? Just kind of ballpark. What What do you think? Probably three, maybe three years. Maybe three years. It might take three years to finish this. Okay, because yeah. the breaks that we have. So we uh, <clears throat> we have a break in December, yeah. and we usually do one in in the summer as well, where the other elders get to preach, and then we switch off. So yeah, <clears throat> I think it'll be around that. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There's the old handout. Yeah, that was a good handout. Did you do? Did you do that, or is that something that uh, you? I did this okay. painfully because I, I, I am, I do not know how to uh, format things like this. Uh-huh. So <laughs> the first yeah. draft yeah, looked, tables looked pretty rough. Uh-huh. So yeah, I just wanted something for people to have that mm. they could see. All right, if I can get my head around kind of how this book is laid out and the sections and the theology that's encountered mm. inside, and then some key definitions so there are a lot of there are a lot of newer uh newer christians in our church mm-hmm. uh adult adult new believers right. and so they probably don't really like have a grasp of 
justification, that right. concept. So key kind of key words to understanding Romans I put on here. Well, even even older Christians, we uh, I always call it Christianese. We have yeah. like these these words, this language that's only found in the church, and it's mm-hmm. so it's so assumed that everyone knows what is being discussed, that no one knows what the word means. Right. And if you ask, if you go to a you know just a just an average church and ask them what justification is, right? I don't know if you'd get a very good definition uh, because we just assume we just assume the word. Yeah, uh, we we believe in justification by faith, right? Uh, yeah. But we don't know what justification means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? that's right. So it, that's good. That's good. Uh, so yeah, about three years. We're going to be in the New Testament forever, Jay. Yeah, I guess it's so. <laughs> yeah, you. Well, you. Uh, you're going Malachi next. I'm doing Malachi. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's and only that's only Matthew? ten. That's only ten sermons, and then we'll be in Matthew, and right. we'll be in Matthew for. A long for a while, a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll be in the New Testament for a while. Yeah. So the other elders need to well start start <clears throat> dusting off their Old Testament sermons. I guess right? you know Grace Community Church. They were in the New Testament for twenty seven. They were, years. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was just one book. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some of the the introductory things. Um, so I, I gave you a hard time after the sermon because <laughs> yeah. uh, you you started with who wrote it, right? Yeah, first first word, Paul. I th- I think it's yeah. the first word in the Greek, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? Isn't it Paul, Paulos? Paulos. Yeah, I think it's the first word in the Greek also. A doulos. Hmm? I'm sorry. A slave. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're speaking in tongues over here, Jay. Uh, but I gave you a hard time because if you go to the end of the book of Romans, it literally says, I, Tertius, yeah. who wrote this letter. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I only gave you a hard time because of Hebrews. Yeah. The argument that um, that I've been listening to is that the, the book of Hebrews is a, a Pauline... Mm-hmm. A Pauline origin, mm-hmm. but he probably didn't write it. Right. Um, and what we mean by writing it is that uh, the fancy secretary, the fancy right? secretary, Amanusis, Amanusis. Um, yeah, that the, the the person that actually is putting pen to right um, paper is not Paul here yeah. in Romans. Rome, Paul is dictating it uh-huh. to him. Yeah, he's like Siri. <laughs> yeah, but a do, human, do you, do a you human think, form. Do you think? Um, do you think that that Paul dictated this over the course of a period of time, or do you think that he just sat down and he was like, uh, "I've got a letter I want," and he just went for like two hours? Yeah, I I don't know how long it took. I think it was dictated, um, and I this isn't me, of course. I'm going off other people's scholarship that like dig down into the weeds on this stuff, but they look at the other letters that they believe Paul actually did write. <laughs> Uh, didn't use a uh, use Siri for, mm-hmm. and they say well, Romans matches exactly. So it's likely he dictated word for word, okay, to his secretary, mm-hmm. who w- literally just acted as a scribe. Right. And the reason people would do that is because what they would write on is very expensive, mm-hmm. and so you have people that are just. Um, it may have been their actual job, so yeah. he could have done this, you know, for Paul, right. but he could have also acted in a, you know, governmental form where he's actually writing. Because you don't want to make sure you're not messing up, right? And starting over. Well, we know <laughs> you know, we know I mean? from uh, we know from Galatians that Paul had 
eye problems. Yeah. So he probably is not able to yeah, yeah. just pin this stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you got an, you're working with something that's costly, you want the person that writes it, they're mm-hmm. writing to be clear and them to be good at it. Right. Good at it. So right. yeah. Uh so when did he when did he write this? The best estimate is between fifty six and fifty eight uh A D. Um of course people they have their you know how scholars love to get into nitty gritty and try to stretch that or shorten it or, or whatever. But uh, you can kind of arrive there from the end of Rome, end of the Book of Romans, and also from the Book of Acts, and just seeing the the timeline of events. So after at the end of Paul's uh, third missionary journey, he's made a collection. Um, he's been gathering up a love offering from the Gentile churches uh, to take back to the Jerusalem church. I think as a gesture of goodwill to try to promote the unity of the gospel with Jew and Gentile together as one church. And so he, from the book uh, of Romans, we see at the end, he talks about his intention to do that, to go. Um, So he hasn't gone yet, but he's made the collection. Right. So that puts him uh, most likely at Corinth, at the end of his third missionary journey, before he, you know, takes the circuit back to Jerusalem. Yeah, this is where it's helpful to um, be familiar with, especially Acts uh-huh. um, and the timeline, because Paul references events that we see playing out at yeah. the end of Acts. So it, yeah. it helps us to kind of put the pieces together. Yeah. And it is. I mean, you just think about the mm-hmm. the providential way he arrives. He tells him of his. Mm-hmm. Desire, deep desire to come to Rome, right? And he does get there. He does, <laughs> but it's probably <laughs> right. it's not like he probably planned out, mm-hmm. right? He goes as a as a prisoner, yeah. as a prisoner of the empire, right, on a ship. Um, so I did read one thing that said the end of uh, Paul's journey recorded in Acts is the most accurate, detailed um, recording of an ancient sea journey. Yeah. In history. And Luke, uh, he uses like the technical mm-hmm. language of, of uh, like nautical language. Yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting. It is. So, yeah, yeah I, I read something um, like, a, hit, like a, a historian actually um, studied Luke's writings and he said that this was... Amazing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, to whom it's written, this yeah. is... Uh, this is also spelled out for us, right? Uh, yeah, in verse seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the Roman, to the Roman church. There, mm-hmm. uh, the composition is is Gentile <laughs> believers uh, or Romans, uh, but composed of their you know the Roman church composed of a variety probably of backgrounds of Gentiles, mm-hmm. and then the minority in the church at this time would would be the Jewish believers, the Jewish church. Yeah. Um. I, <sighs> You didn't bring it up, but I think it. I'm trying to. I'm trying to decide where to bring it up. Um, oh, we can, we can talk about it here. Um, that the Emperor Claudius, uh-huh. he expelled all the Jews from Rome. Mm-hmm. There's debate over what year it was. It was probably late 40s, early 50s, mm-hmm. pr- probably late 40s, right? Um, and we we read about that in the Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul meets Aquila and Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Um, They've been expelled from Rome. It, it tells us the Emperor Claudius expelled them. We can read about this in uh, secular Roman writings. Right. Um, uh, because of some 
some riots <laughs> related to someone named Crestus. Right. Probably Christ. Yeah. Um, probably the, the the unbelieving Jews are making problems right. for the Christians. Uh-huh. Um, and so it got to sub- such a, a level that uh, Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. Yeah. Yeah, this may this may coincide with what uh, the author of Hebrews is saying about uh, them being publicly uh, scorned and mm-hmm. having their property confiscated. And, and yeah, uh, but now after Claudius dies, he dies around fifty four. Um, now the Jews can come back, uh-huh. but they come back to a majority majority Gentile, Gentile church. church. Yeah, right. Um, and so you're going to have. That clash, yeah, of, of yeah. the two, the two different uh, lifestyles, right? mm-hmm. um, yeah. which plays into what Paul's doing with the Book of Romans. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a historical context to what's going on. Yeah, and you also have, though he doesn't ad- address it in like a direct fashion, <clears throat> like he will in other letters. But based off of all of his missionary endeavors, he knows and understands the constant threat of the Judaizers. Mm-hmm coming in through the Jewish right. believers right. Uh, into the church. So there's that element as well. Um, there's also the, the his, just the history between Gentiles and Jews mm-hmm. that have gone on for centuries. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, we don't quite... I don't, I don't know if we quite understand the animosity. Right. The, I tried to bring it up with the racial stuff mm-hmm. in America. Right. I think it's close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that even that is not as long. Mm-hmm. You're talking millennia. Yeah, yeah. Between the Jews and the in the Gentiles, especially so. after um, the you know the Maccabean um, period mm-hmm. when uh, Antiochus comes in 164, 165 BC, and there's Jews that apostatize and mm-hmm. help help the Greeks. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah there's a lot of history. Yeah. Behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the why of the Book of Romans, because I think a lot of people, they'll read this as kind of a systematic mm-hmm. theology. This is, it's just Paul writing a systematic. Right. Which, it it does have kind of that function, mm-hmm. but that's not, that's not, it's not like he was writing this abstract theological ivory tower book. He right. has... A re- real practical reasons for writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about those those purposes. Yeah. <clears throat> so I listed three um, that kind of served the flow of the book and, and really getting, I think, to the main idea toward the end. The first is to give him <laughs> his most full and clear explanation of the gospel. So they don't know him personally. Right. right. So keep, you have to keep that in mind. He's, he didn't play at the church. They don't know him personally. Uh, his plan is to go there, and when he arrives, he wants them to trust him. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to keep in mind too Paul's background. Mm-hmm. He's known among Jewish people as a person who used to persecute the church, and now he's supposedly he's a one of us now. He's a preacher, theologian, church planner, and so before he arrives, it, it seems that he wants to make sure that not only do they know the gospel that he's preaching, but he wants them to see that it is actually not a novelty. It's not some new invention. He didn't invent this gospel. The gospel, it fits perfectly with uh, what we were all promised in the Old Testament. 
and what the Jews were looking for and expecting to come. And you kind of see this as he brings up hypothetical, um, or maybe not so hypothetical, maybe he's actually encountered them. Like, okay, so you are saying that, that uh, the, the law is nullified, mm-hmm. and he'll make statements by no means. That's like the strongest like negation. By no means. Like, we uphold the law, right? Or... And this is how you really know you preach the gospel right, because a non-believer is going to do what Paul brings up. Oh, you're saying that since well, we're, we're mm-hmm. the grace of God is lavished upon us, that we can just continue to sin. The more we sin, the more God will be glorified in giving his grace to sinners, so we can just continue to sin, so that grace may abound. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, by no means, right? We who died to sin, we can no longer live in it. Mm-hmm. So you see these type of things he brings up, to want to clarify uh, the objections that people are raising to his gospel yeah. all throughout the letter. Right. Um, God has abandoned his people, the Jewish people. Um, has the word, does this mean the word of God has failed? Did God not honor his promises? And then he'll go on an explanation. No, first off, I'm a Jew, but secondly, there's a remnant chosen by grace. Through election, God has always had a remnant for himself chosen by grace, and that applies to the Jewish people now. <clears throat> and he gets into the the whole deal in, in ten and eleven, I believe, to 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 show the proper way to view what's going on uh, with the Jew and the Gentile um, currently in God's administrating of His uh, just judicial administration. I'll never get that out of my head because because my my professor used to lean up against the wall with pop his Jolly Ranchers, <laughs> and he'd be like. It's no partiality in God's just judicial administration. Right? That's what he'd always say. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that picture yeah. is uh, seared into my mind. Okay. Yeah. So to give this full and clear presentation of the gospel, which is the gospel of justification by faith alone, um, there's no distinction, right? That's the idea. There's no distinction. God has no partiality. Um, and so he elaborates on this very... Uh, very clearly and in a full manner for the purpose of the second purpose, which flows out of that one, you know, like to unify the Jew and Gentile believers in Rome mm-hmm. around the one true gospel right. so that they together could glorify God. Yeah. Right, And so that we see unfolding as the book unfolds all the way into chapter 15, where the goal is that together with one voice they may glorify God. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't do that if you're not unified around the gospel. Which serves the last purpose, which is to take the gospel to Spain. Yeah, right. That's what he tells them. That's his goal. I want to stop by Rome. I want to be uh, encouraged by you and be an encouragement to you. And then after he's enjoyed that, he's, his plan is to 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 go from Rome to mm-hmm. be supported by the Roman Church right. to go to take the gospel to Spain, mm-hmm. where the gospel hasn't been preached yet. Yeah. So if you want a church <clears throat> to support you, that church needs to be unified around the gospel. So right. these feed into that mm-hmm. they all feed together so yeah well, i'm sure we'll talk about it in three years but do you do you think <laughs> he made it to spain you know i i don't know i like to think so timeline gets a little murky yeah uh then a- yeah. after after right. acts after acts 28 it, it yeah gets... yeah i mean we aren't told that he got an audience with caesar but mm-hmm. i believe he probably did yeah um he's Probably has an audience and is released for a time, it appears, yeah. but then is arrested again, uh, along with Peter, and 
then they don't make it out. Right. So I don't know if during that time period he was able to go or not. Um, Gospel eventually did make it there. It did. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay, so there was some, uh, some introductory um, matters out of the way. Now we can talk about um, just an overview of the book. Okay. And there's, yeah. there's really... I, the way that you presented it is different words uh, for right. the, the sections, but the, the same sections. Right. Um, that's a it's a pretty easy way to, mm-hmm. to divide the book. There, there's kind of two ways that we could do it. The first is to just split it in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapters 1 through 11 are a presentation of the theology of the gospel, mm-hmm. and then 12 through 16 is practical application of the gospel. Right. That's a, yeah. that's an easy way. That that's an easy way to look at all of Paul's letters. Mm-hmm. He front loads it with the gospel and then he says, "Okay, given this, mm-hmm. this is how we're supposed to live." Yes. Um so he does that with Romans also. But more detailed way of of looking at it is in four sections. Mm-hmm. And so uh kind of jumping off uh verses 16 and 17, the thesis statement, mm-hmm. "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." Uh, your your four points yeah. uh, for this sermon, this, the, the four reasons why we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, because it's uh-huh. not just Paul that shouldn't be ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed either. Right. And so you use, you use that that thesis statement mm-hmm. as the way for us to, to look at the, the book as a whole. So yeah. four reasons yeah. uh, in these four sections for why we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel mm-hmm. either. Yeah, so I wanted to do it like that, because um, I didn't want this to just turn into like a lecture on the book of Romans. <laughs> right. I wanted it to be a, a sermon, uh-huh. a sermon on the whole book. So, um, yeah, the first the first reason here, the, or the first section where you can see chapters 1 through 4, what is 1 through 4 really about, right? It, and it's about the gospel of justification. Right. Um, and what is that? Right. What is justification? <laughs> right. That's the question. So justification is to be, it's like a legal declaration, mm-hmm. is to be declared right or righteous. And which brings up another question, what does it mean to be righteous, right? It means to be, like if you think, since it is legal terminology, it's courtroom language, we can understand what he means theologically by how we would understand it. If you're on trial for, like, say, a murder Right. What it's not is okay. You are guilty of the murder, but you're receiving like a presidential pardon or a pardon from Caesar, and now you're free to go on with your life. Okay, Caesar's pardoned you. Some, I think, can view what happens when a person becomes a Christian that way. Right. But that's not actually what happens. Right. right? What happens is you get a legal declaration of not guilty. Yeah. Like it's like you've never done the crime. Right. Or you're declared to be right with the court mm-hmm. or with the law, and that's theologically we apply that to be righteous is to be right with God, and so God makes a legal declaration upon you. And this is why I'm a firm rejecter of uh, future justification, mm-hmm. which you know in theological the theological world today even there are arguments going on about that. But uh, if you just take the book of Romans, what he's doing, it seems pretty clear he's talking about a a singular act, a de- declarative act of being made right with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mechanism of that is simply by faith. Right. 
belief. And the word faith uh, comes from, it's really bridged off of the Old Testament understanding, and the word means something like trustworthy or trustworthiness. So when a person um, by faith simply comes to Christ and believes in his trustworthiness to do what God sent him to do, uh, which was to live a perfect human life, sinless life, to fulfill all of the law, uh, so his perfect obedience, and then his death, his sacrificial death, uh, for sinners and his resurrection from the dead, when a person simply trusts Christ or in his trustworthiness of that, God transfers to the believer all everything that Christ accomplished. Mm-hmm. So you're declared to be what Christ was. Yeah. You're declared now right with God. Uh, not just that you have done, that you have sinned, which you have, but because Christ paid the penalty for that, you now receive all the benefits that, of, of Christ. Okay. I, I think the best picture in the Bible of this is Zechariah chapter 3 uh, with Joshua the high priest. Mm-hmm. He's It's a courtroom setting. Zechariah sees this, this courtroom where Joshua, the high priest, is standing before God, and the and Satan is accusing him mm-hmm. justly because he he's standing there in filthy garments. Um, he's the representative of the people, and so if he's if he's in filthy garments, he can't mm-hmm. he can't do his his function for the people. And God uh, rebukes Satan, and they take off. Joshua's dirty clothes and give him clean clothes, mm-hmm. uh, and there's this, there's this, uh, the transfer, right? This transfer of of his sin uh-huh. and purity, righteousness, and uh, and Zechariah makes this uh, this interesting statement that we can just kind of read through really fast. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Uh-huh. Well, if we are putting our whole Bible together, the angel of the Lord is the, the Son of God, the mm-hmm. second person of the Trinity. Um, what's what's he going to do? He's he's the one who's going to come, and he's going to he's going to to die so that 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 transfer can take place. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joshua is not being clothed in his own righteousness; yeah. he's being clothed in a foreign. Righteousness, right? It, it's coming from God. It's not coming from Him. Yeah. Um, and so the Book of Romans it it, it gives us the full revelation of that—that right. that it's Christ who's been put forward as a propitiation, mm-hmm. um, so that we can be made righteous. Yeah. Not not with our own righteousness, but with the righteousness of Christ. Right. Um, so I, I love that. I love that visual mm-hmm. of Joshua standing there in front of God and and being declared. Righteous, right? Uh, because God gives him righteousness, right? That's uh, right. And it's the angel of the Lord who comes in the flesh, mm-hmm. uh, who fulfills that. Yep, yep. George, you got to hold on to some of these. these oh, these, uh, these I know. Well, eggs, I, hey, 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 hey! Yeah. I mean, we're uh, stretching it over three. <laughs> three pe- people aren't even going to. People aren't even going <laughs> to remember. Gonna forget they're it. not even going to remember this. I mean, when are you even going to get to the end of chapter three? <laughs> <laughs>
if you're worried about it, just Lloyd Jones it, and uh, hey, people hey, won't even know. Like maybe ten years a, in the future, though. maybe it's a good time to talk about alien righteousness. <laughs> huh? Huh? When we started the podcast, yeah, you don't you don't need a uh, phasing ten foot <laughs> alien. <laughs> uh, um, the way I like to think about it is like if you want to understand Romans uh, one through four, like, and you really need to just be able to tell somebody what's that about. Well. Remember when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Mm. That's Romans 1 through 4. That's what he's doing. Right. Um, and so he lays out it in a systematic fashion. The mm. first thing he has to do to get people to get there, right, is probably what a lot of the work you have to do when you are trying to share the gospel with somebody. Because right. people automatically assume, right, that they are going to be right with God if they live a good life. Right. Like, I'm mainly good. Yeah, of course I've done bad things, but I'm mainly good. Mm. And so you have to do some work with the law right. and the bad news before you can give them the good news of the gospel. Yeah. And he does that. He does it masterfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, Romans is very mm-hmm. uh, logically structured. You can you can easily follow the the argument. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just starts with the Greeks, mm-hmm. Gentiles, and, and God's wrath against their sin. And he lays out their guilt in... Um, unavoidable ways. Right. You can't say, well, but I'm basically good because he doesn't leave any room for it right. in the way that he describes it. Yeah. And he just works through everybody. He does, yeah. He's putting everybody on equal playing field and that that we're all about equal, equality today and equity, right? And Paul gets us all uh-huh. on equal <laughs> playing right. field and it's the field of the condemned. Mm-hmm. And he starts with the Gentiles, like you said. Yeah. So there's not a single person alive on, on planet Earth that escapes his argument. Right. And he starts there with the Gentile mm-hmm. in that famous list, which uh, I w- it's interesting. You know, we kind of go back through the history of evangelicalism the past five years. And you remember we assigned out uh, <clears throat> to some of the, the men in our church mm-hmm. uh, if they could properly exegete verses 18 uh, through the end of the chapter. And mm. wouldn't, wouldn't you know, surprise, they did. And we used J.D. Greer as, did uh, they, as did the they foil. Dis- did they discover that as God the... whispers about sexual sin? <laughs> right, right, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm imagining that uh, your sermon on this passage is not going to be quite the same. It might be a little different. It might be than, a little uh, different. Than, <laughs> than, than, uh, than JD's. Yeah. So yeah, he it seemed like uh if you read that he's kind of a almost like ashamed of what's there. Um it would appear. Yeah. So yeah, it, um but you really don't need to be ashamed because he's just putting everyone there. Mm-hmm. He's not picking out a, a singular group. He's putting everyone there. Right. So that's what he does. Um First, through chapter one, all the Gentiles now are without excuse. Um, all have sinned. This is now obviously apparent. But there's another group there, and it's like they're going, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give it to them, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all knew the Gentiles were filthy right. dogs. We knew it all along. And he says, hold up. And he yeah. says, who are you, O oh man? Mm-hmm. Right? That, that, again, is court language. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the man. And then he says, you're even worse. Because you have the law, yeah, and you've had the privilege of this knowledge that the Gentiles don't have, but yet you do the very same things the Gentiles mm-hmm. do. You're guilty as well. Building to all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? right? Uh, the wages of sin is death, all of that. So he universally condemns all men so that he can put forward the universal escape 
for all men from the wrath of God. Right. And that he lays out as justification by faith alone in Christ alone. That's that's the that's the whole idea of what he's doing, mm. condemning all men so that he can put forward God's propitiation. Right. That is to re- be received by faith mm-hmm. alone, apart from works. Um, and so everyone that is alive stands before God equally, but everyone can know God. They can be right with God by faith alone in Christ. Right. It's... There's a lot there, mm-hmm. but the really the main thing is not difficult to grasp. Like right. that's it, mm-hmm. right? And then he gives yeah. two examples from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. giants, right? Yeah. I mean, he he puts forward. He doesn't just put forward, you know, just some random mm-hmm. person. He he puts forward David and Abraham and yeah. said, "Look, the scriptures testify that these two experienced justification by faith alone, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, apart from their works." Yeah, uh, David writes about it in Psalm 32, and and then just the whole story of, mm-hmm. of Abraham. Mm-hmm. He's justified. I mean, he he um, he puts a lot of weight on the order mm-hmm. of of the way that Moses wrote Genesis. Uh, Abraham is counted righteous mm-hmm. in Genesis 15. He yep. receives circumcision in Genesis 17. Which one came first? Was it the works of circumcision? Which is tied to the law, mm-hmm. or was he justified first? Right, and that—that's his his whole argument. Yeah, yeah, and I really love how he words it. Um, but the words it was counted to him mm-hmm. were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Mm-hmm. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our transgressions and raised for our justification. I love that because he's saying like this was not written right for his sake. It's written. Right. For us, so that mm-hmm. we can know we'll be justified apart from works in the same way yeah. that Abraham was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Moses isn't penning this for Abraham, who's been dead right. hundreds and hundreds of years mm-hmm. when he wrote it. He's yeah. writing it for us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's, um, that's the, first, the first section. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be ashamed of the gospel because it's the gospel of justification. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's the first section. Second section. Uh, chapters five through eight, mm-hmm. um, you titled this the Gospel of New Creation. Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, chapter five begins with the word therefore. Right. So because of what he said in chapters one through four, here's what's next. Yeah. Right. And really in this section, he gets into the benefits uh, that yeah. are conferred to us uh, solely based on justification by faith alone. Um, and and it it stretches mm-hmm. it stretches from initial justification to glorification yeah all and the way it, to it the end it stretches it encapsulates the entire christian yeah. life here right yeah and so we can really get a bigger picture of the gospel from this section right all and just think all of the things that the world believes become can become ours really just solely on the basis of dying that's kind of where we are in the West, right? Somebody dies, they get peace with God, they have eternal life, they live in heaven forever. Sometimes people say they become angels. That's kind of a new thing. Christians are just as bad as as the the secular world. I mean, someone dies and you see all over Facebook Christians writing rest in peace. Right. Like, rest in peace. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? This person was a pagan. Yeah. 
Um, there, there is no resting in peace apart from Christ. Yeah, they. I mean, it, and it could have been a terrible person. Like mm. while they're alive, everybody's right. cursing them. Like, oh, yeah. look at this dirtbag. Right. He abandoned <laughs> his children when they were young and ran off to another part of the country and mm-hmm. you know shacked up with a twenty-year-old, and then they die, and now they're a saint. Yeah, you know they're in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the benefits that the world says comes to everyone just on the basis of dying only come through justification by faith. And that begins with peace with God. Um, peace with God, not just when you die, but that's peace with God now. And then he, if you go through, there are so many of them that are just incredible that we just, I think we don't think about very much. Um, salvation from the wrath of God, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you think about that, that's not, this is, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not for like some super holy person who has like a second work of grace later on in life. Right. Uh, that's given to all of the pe- all of the, these people who are justified by faith in Christ. Yeah. I mean, we're, um, we're in a culture where the Holy Spirit is, um, He's he's always just put with all these miraculous signs. Mm-hmm. Um, you get people that say they're filled with the Holy Spirit because you know they fall over, mm-hmm. they're slain in the Spirit, they speak in tongues, whatever. Um, but we, I don't know, we kind of downplay the fact that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. That's. That's incredible. Yeah, that we know God loves us because the the Holy Spirit's been given to us, mm-hmm. and the Spirit actually communicates the love of God to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's far superior to, um, you know, running around the sanctuary, waving our you know waving our coats, right? Yeah, um, or thinking. And it, this may be more in some of the Wesleyan tradition that there's a different level of sanctifi- sanctification that you oh, yeah. arrive at where you're ministered to by the Holy Spirit. But this is a gift. The gift of the Spirit is for all people who are justified by faith alone mm-hmm. in Christ. Um, right. And as he gets in, you know, further into this section, he'll talk about the Spirit's direct ministry to us, mm-hmm. even when we can't pray. Uh, the Spirit right. praying for us. Uh, so... It, it's amazing. And then even the ability to fight against sin. Um, this is a benefit given to the Christian. Like we, yes, we died to sin, so we can no longer live in it, but there's a continual struggle that happens, but the Christian is the one engaged in that struggle. Yeah, That's the difference. And because of the Spirit, you do have the ability to fight against your sin and live by the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an eternal representative before God and Jesus Christ, and so therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So who can bring a charge against God's elect? No one. It, Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is indeed, indeed at the right hand interceding for us. So this section is absolutely amazing, and I wanted to kind of title it this uh, new creation based you know, from that section toward the end in, in chapter 8, which speaks of the whole creation groaning in birth pains, uh, it was subject to futility because of the sin of Adam. But the creation itself is longing for the resurrection mm. of these justified by faith in Jesus ones. Right, right. When the resurrection takes place, all of creation renewed, and you can see that 
earlier in the section where he talks about the two kind of federal heads. That's mm-hmm. the theological term. There's there's Adam and there's Christ. So there's the old creation. Everyone who has ever been born is born naturally with a representative, Adam. And in Adam, all sinned, right? The world is plunged into darkness and despair. And we sin, like Adam, at our earliest opportunity possible. We express that, showing that we are indeed in Adam, our federal head. And so everything Adam gets, we get. Sin, the wages of sin, death, death spread to all men because all men sin. But there's another Adam, Christ, Jesus Christ. Now, anyone that is in this new Adam, this new representative, receives all of the benefits that flow that Christ receives, they flow to all of his people that are in him. Mm. So freedom from death, eternal life. Um, so it's amazing how he does this. And, and you can really see there, he's putting him forward as like the first of a new creation. Right. And then you wrap that into the end, speaking of all of creation, looking forward to the day when will appear after the resurrection. You know, um, I mean, we're talking about original sin here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to me, people that deny the effects of Adam's sin on humanity, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll downplay original sin. Uh, but they never downplay the work of Christ. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like Christ is our representative, but not Adam, not Adam. <laughs> That's... Right, that's, that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's but we're, we've got typology here, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you can't you can't escape the fact that we were represented by Adam in the garden. Yes, and so we we fell with Adam, mm-hmm. but the good news is that Christ, the last Adam, comes and he represents yeah. his people, and so we get all the benefits of his righteousness. Right, yeah, and, and again, this is on a universal basis. Uh, this applies to Jew and Gentile the whole the whole time the whole way through. Um, that's the way this is this is presented mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. So it, the gospel is really big, yeah. and I think I wanted to try to communicate that. There's nothing like this in any religion on the face of the earth. Mm. Nothing, yeah. nothing even close. Right? Um, we're not talking about going to heaven and living in a disembodied state forever. Right? What about all of the things of this world that are still good? Mm. There are still good things after the fall left in this world. Yeah. We know that. And one of them is, is having a, a body, a physical body. That's what it means to be a human. Mm. But let, but yet many religions' idea is to escape, uh, this, uh, to escape this type of physical world. It's never God's plan. God's plan is a redeemed physical world right. in the Christian faith. Um, I talked about that, the Sikh man that I spent some time with. And I mean, like, why, why would you want your goal to be to become nothing? Well, they would say... I guess their goal is to lose your individuality and just become part of the universal, right? The source. You're going back to the source code, you know? <laughs> All right. um, but breaking the cycle of rebirth and then becoming nothing, mm. like that is far inferior to being literally resurrected from the dead in your physical body and living with your creator mm. forever, right? In a perfect universe. Like there's nothing like this in the in the entire world. Yeah. Um, and so the gospel is really good news. Mm-hmm. It's good news beyond just your individual salvation. Has massive uh, implications for all of creation. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're talking about union with Christ um, and um, the fact that he lived as our representative. He died as our representative. He's been raised. He's been glorified. Mm-hmm. And so as our representative, everyone he represents also experience all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's, uh, it's great news. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so really you, you get, you get Romans eight and you, you just get to this mountaintop. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the climax of the entire book right, right. here. Yeah. Um, and then based on that, that mountaintop of Romans eight, we go into the next section, mm-hmm. Romans nine through 11, mm-hmm. Um, which you say you called the gospel of integration, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I think a lot of people read chapters nine through eleven as parent, uh, as like this parentheses. We don't know what to to do with this. Um, you know, if you're uh, writing the Lifeway curriculum, you know exactly what to do with it. You just <laughs> skip it, just skip it. That's not for you. Uh, that's for someone else. Right. Um, but it it does come off of Romans eight. If Romans eight wasn't there, if he if he hadn't said what he said in Romans eight, then chapter nine wouldn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't make any sense. Right. Um, so we've got nine through eleven, which is the gospel of integration. Right. Yeah. Um. And it appears that. By the end of this section, really what you should have in mind is that there are one people of God now, right? And this is not replacement theology, because as you know, I've stated repeatedly that I do not believe you lose your ethnic status when you become come into the people of God. Mm. So the people of God are composed of Jew, ethnic Jews, Jews, and various you know, all of the thousands of different cultures of Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Like, so we come in with our people. Right. But we come as separate people now engrafted into one people. The big illustration that he uses is the uh being ingr- the the wild all like the wild shoot mm-hmm. which is the gentiles yeah. being engrafted into the the natural root. But the root is Christ, mm-hmm. right? He's true Israel. Right. Um and so we're engrafted into the people of God by faith alone in Christ, but there's an issue, right? Chapter 90 brings it up. What about his people? What about the Jews? Because they, the majority of them, the vast majority of them, reject Christ as a Messiah. They see him as a false Messiah. Even to this day, they still, many of them, most of them still do. You know, think of Ben Ben Shapiro and all the reasons he would list why Jesus can't be the Messiah. Yeah. Um, And so he brings this up, the heartache that he has for his own people, um, really amazing statement that he made. He said, I wish that I could be a, a curse so that my kinsmen could be brought in. And the question is, it, has the word of God failed? Has God's promises failed because the Jewish people right now, uh, their hearts are hardened and they're not, they're not brought into this from his perspective at the time? Um, and so then he gets into the, all of these, uh, really a lesson on election. Mm-hmm election and predestination are in the Bible, and you've got to deal with it. And and really the argument he's making is, no, God's word has not failed. I'm a Jew, and I am in, right? And there is a remnant that's been chosen by grace, um, just as there was in the Old Testament. You know, at the Old Testament, sometimes God's people could feel like, right, what does Isaiah feel like? He's like one of the only ones left, um, or Elijah, like, 
And then God's like, no, there's a remnant that is maintained by grace. God has an elect people, even amongst the, the, the rebellion of the, of the Israel nation as a whole, and they're fallen to apostasy. God's maintained a remnant for himself by grace. Um, and so he teaches on that and really gets down into, I mean, he does use personal examples, so we can't say he's talking about election just as an, in a national level. Um, that doesn't even fit with the end of Romans chapter 8, if you take that interpretation. He speaks about election in a personal nature, as in an individual basis, uh, and he unpacks how there's been a partial hardening that's come upon Israel so that the gospel could go forth to the Gentiles. But when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, I believe, a future time of mass um, of mass conversion. And how would that take place? It would take place the same way it happens for any revival, through election, by the effectual call of the gospel. The gospel will be preached. God could do something similar right now, right? In any part of the nation, there could be a massive revival where, like, the majority of a whole nation converts to Christ. Mm -hmm. That will come through the effectual call. And so for right now, there's been a partial hardening until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. But then, but, but we are not to have an arrogant position toward the Jews because we have been grafted in, and if we have been grafted in, they can be grafted in again. Right. That's what he's driving at. So mm-hmm. it's the gospel of integration, mm-hmm. that God has taken these people that would never be together. There's no human mechanism to bring a group of people like Jew and Gentile together, only through the gospel. And, it, and both of them... Jew and Gentile are on equal footing. If they want in to God's people, it has to come by faith alone in Christ. And that's how this section is really unfolding. Yeah. So um, all, all of the benefits which Israel had, which were benefits, and he'll list them all, are no benefit if they won't come by faith alone in Christ. Right? Right. That's that's how this unfolds. Yeah. So, um, I tried to use the tension, the race, racial tension, to people to, for people to really get at why he's driving at this because he's trying to get the church to view themselves in a certain way now, right? But you have all centuries of animosity between Jew and Gentile. The closest thing I could come up to is the racial tension in America between black and white, mm-hmm. um, and I think that captures it. But I don't th- even think that's as much as what would be there mm-hmm. and during this period of time. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and what when we see this, we see this play out, like where you have the gospel, right? You have churches, which still is the most segregated time in America, is Sunday morning. But you have churches that are fully integrated with each other. Mm-hmm. And how does that happen? It happens only through the gospel. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and the reason you have a lot of segregation, I think, in America still today is you have churches that the gospel is not the main thing. Mm-hmm. Something else is the main thing, the main driving thing. And so you have a lot of segregation on Sunday morning all over the country. Right. But there are those places where you've got pretty integrated church. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet H.B. Charles's church is pretty integrated. Yeah. Um, He's a phenomenal. Um, uh, the example I used was of uh, John MacArthur's church. You know, for all the criticism people will will give to him, and what's interesting about it is, you know, he they'll even criticize him about never dealing with race. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? A, that's a that's the thing that we've we've seen over the last 
three or four years is this um, gospel coalition type people shaming white churches. Like they never take aim at, at um, you know, black churches as, as if it, it just goes one way. Um, but the, the focus is on race. Mm-hmm. It's like the, uh, the, the goal is to make sure that we have a, a diverse congregation. Mm-hmm. That will happen naturally if the gospel is the first thing, mm-hmm. like if the gospel is primary and we're preaching the gospel and we're taking the gospel out to everyone that we meet, then we don't have to worry about the, we don't have to worry about the, the multiculturalism that that will come. Right. That will come just naturally because that's the, that's the fruit of the gospel. The fruit of the gospel right. is, is bringing people together who, like you said, wouldn't, Otherwise, right. Uh, yeah. But if you're making the multicultural stuff uh, the central issue, then you're just going to continue to have um, a downgrade. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very diverse congregation. Not only that, I mean, their leadership, it's a reflection of their congregation. Mm-hmm. So you have, I mean, it looks like LA. Picture in your mind what you think LA is like. Right. And that's what his church looks like. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend anybody who has doubts about that just take a visit out there. It might cost you a lot uh, to get out there. <clears throat> and then maybe gotta... just watch. Maybe just watch their service online. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, a little cheaper. Yeah, but the gospel does this, right? What the goal of what you continually hear in the media of wanting to move past the history in our nation and integration, like. That cannot happen apart from the gospel. Mm. There are there are people groups that are never going to to this utopia, this secular utopia, right? Is the new creation, mm. and that's not coming apart from Christ, right? No matter how you go about your social engineering, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it happens in the gospel, right? And that's the section. Yep. Yeah. All right, now we have uh, the the major break between chapters one through eleven, which mm-hmm. are heavily theological. Twelve through sixteen, um, the, the practical outworking of that theology. Uh, but the last section, uh, twelve through sixteen, the gospel of unification. Mm-hmm. So, kind of the way you should think about this section. Okay, what he has said before this is like reality. Mm-hmm people are engrafted into into one people together. That's something God has done. But like in your church, in your pews, it that reality needs to take hold um, in your church, in unification. So you need to be what you already are. Mm-hmm. And so 12 through 16 is just really practical on how to live your life now as a Christian. Like now that you have benefited from this and receive the grace of God by justification by faith. Like, how do you now live your life? It's like it's like one through eleven is the the vertical, mm-hmm. and then twelve through sixteen is the horizontal. Yeah, like look at the people in the pews around you. They've also experienced this gospel. Mm-hmm. How are we supposed to live and treat and love and right? 
Yeah. So it begins with uh, an appeal to live your life as a sacrifice. So we know what sacrifices are, but now he says that reality is your whole life, your whole existence now. As a response to the gospel, your whole life, pastor or layman, you know, bricklayer or surgeon, everything you do now is lived your life to the glory of God as a, as a living sacrifice. Mm. And then coming right off of that, uh, he, he talks in the rest of 12 about how we are to live humbly uh, and responsibly toward toward other people in the church. Um, it's, if you can live humbly toward other people after the pattern of Christ, that's really the, the gateway toward unification. And I, I believe God really holds, or, or Christ, his bride in a much more special place than, than we do. So we are often quick to not live and walk humbly toward other people who Jesus actually died for, whether we agree, disagree with them on things like baptism or whatever, eschatology, could be anything. Christians in the West really are struggling with living humbly toward each other. And I brought out Twitter. I mean, you can see that on Twitter, right? Supposedly, we're all in the same group, right? We're supposedly all engrafted in, but yet we're at each other like we're enemies all the time. Mm. So you've got people building platforms for themselves, making outlandish statements for the purpose of getting, you know, getting clicks and getting followers. And the whole time they're doing that, they're ba- they're just beating other Christians to death right. with their rhetoric, Um the, their argumentation. This is pastors and laymen. You know, you've got your Google armchair theologians. You know, they're experts at building and destroying straw men, and you know they'll gain a following. It's the exact opposite of walking humbly toward toward other people. In fact, if you were to act humbly and craft whatever you write humbly, you'll be accused of weakness. Now, that's weakness. You know, that's too nuanced. Um, but just read through the whole New Testament, and you'll never find the type of rhetoric and aggression as something that's commendable to the Christian to engage in that type of, uh, especially toward Christians, especially toward other Christians, yeah. right? So to walk humbly, and then thirteen is the is the section where he gets into how do we live our life toward outsiders. Um, and he, he hits on things like the governing authorities. It's interesting to think about that. Yeah. I mean, you've just put yourself in Rome. Not long ago, you were all expelled from the city, uh, so you have an unjust government. Right. Right. And so what he tells them to do <clears throat> is... And now you have Nero. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now you're, now you're fixing to be a candle for somebody in their backyard barbecue, right? That's like legit what, would ha- what happened to Christians, like lit on fire. Um, for the amusement of a madman. And so you get these really practical advice on how to live. It's probably more, it probably resonates more toward, I guess, if you live with under an oppressive, like a, a real oppressive government, like the Chinese government, and you're a Christian, like you're getting closer to what Paul's getting at. But in America, we have all of these various ways of exercising you know, our rights as citizens. I think it's hard for people in America to humble themselves before this teaching in, in, in chapter 13. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, you know, and our history as, as independent 
people, liberty-loving people, uh, but nevertheless still incredibly practical. Chapter 14 gets into practical ways of living humbly toward each other. Um, the weaker brother in this section of Romans, it, it appears, is the Jewish believer. Mm. So he's got he's conscious bound by certain things, like keeping Sabbath on Saturday, not eating certain kinds of meats, uh, keeping maybe some, some of the holy days uh, from the Jewish calendar. And he, he, he calls him the weaker brother. Uh, but he says in, in, in the same chapter, as for the one who is weak, welcome him, do not quarrel over opinions. I tried to really place myself in that, in that perspective, like in our, like in our church today, you know, there are, there is a segment of, of those, uh, I guess they they may be called Hebrew roots Mm. today that would say they're, they're followers of Christ. I think the error they make is saying that they're the one true like church. Right. But if they didn't, I think there's a lot of errors that they, (laughs) right. So like maybe say like Ben Shapiro became a Christian. Okay. And he's in your church. Right. But he is going to keep all of his cultural background stuff. So he's going to still keep the Sabbath on Saturday. Uh-huh. He's still going to come to church on Sunday and celebrate the resurrection. He's still going to wear his. Uh, maybe, maybe he his even yarmulke. would. Maybe he even would. Uh, he's not going to eat. He's, you know, you're, you're used to having, you know, your fellowship meal and you've got barbecue and you got ribs and you got all kinds of great stuff. And he's not going to partake in any of that. In fact, he might take offense at it. How do we respond? Mm-hmm. Right. Would the would our first instinct be to take the position of I'm not the weaker brother? My goal in life is now to convince you you don't need to take a Sabbath on Saturday, mm. right? We Christians we do this on Sunday. Um, or hey, if you just try bacon once, <laughs> you'll be convinced of what you know. Jesus he declared all foods uh-huh. clean. So, um, or would you die to yourself? not see it as your job to quarrel with him over that. Let him be convinced in his own mind, it's before his master that he rises or falls. Mm. Um, would you even take the step of not having ribs at your fellowship mill so as to not offend him? Yeah. That's the type of humility that he is really driving at here. I don't know that it's the level of humility a lot of people in the church are ready to go for. If there's if social media is any indicator, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, it's a different way, I think, of 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 a, and it's really, I think, a good lesson for us. It has been for me. I hope it will be for other people when we get there. Um, I kind of made the statement, like, other than apostatizing, I think one of the worst things you could do is go on the attack to another brother or sister. You know what I mean? If they if they are truly in Christ with you, we ought to adopt the, the the mind of Christ and live humbly toward each other, for the sole purpose of unifying together. We want the reality of what Christ accomplished to be real in our lives, and that can't happen without humility toward each other. That's what he's driving at in this section, with the end result being in uh, fifteen. Uh, nowhere. Where is it at? Yeah, here we go. Uh, 15, 5 through 7. You can kind of underline that and circle it. That's kind of how his whole argument's flowing toward this, and you can really see it building here. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another 
in accord with Jesus, with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I go back to my old professor. He's popping his Jolly Ranchers, and he's like linked up against the wall. He's like, so that with one corporate big mouth, you may glorify God. That's what he said. <laughs> with one corporate big mouth. <laughs> And that's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal uh, of the gospel. So that's it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, start going verse by verse next week. Yep. What are you, what are you, uh, what's the plan? Um, I mean, there's a lot, there's right. a lot packed into these. Mm. I think the first, uh, the first go around, I think I, I will probably end up combining the two. So it won't be the six. It's still just going to be the five. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure, but we'll, uh, I think this first section we're going to get toward to, we'll get through 16 and 17. Okay. Not in the first sermon, but in the, in the yes. next four. Yeah. So it'll take okay. four. We'll go through four and we'll get through 16 and 17 okay. and then we'll have a break. Okay. Yeah. Right. And there'll be good. times where there'll be bigger check, uh, sections, right. b- bigger chunks mm-hmm. that are taken. Yeah. So... The intro is is pretty unique among intros. It's really packed. It it's really packed with a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah. All right. So that's good. It. Looking forward to it. Yep. Hopefully that's been. Uh, hopefully that intro was helpful for people to. It, it's always good to to know like what are the sections of these books. Um. So you can you can that that helps towards memorizing. Mm-hmm. If you know, all right, in this chapter, this is what the apostles are talking about. Um, it, it's something uh, I remember in um, New Testament 1, my professor going through the Gospels, um, he would quiz us on each chapter mm-hmm. of the Gospels. And it was really helpful. It's It's been helpful even now, just remembering, all right, here's what's in each chapter. Yeah. And so you can, you can find stuff really fast if you uh, if you can do that. Right. Uh, just take some time to, to study the books and just what's going on here? What, right. What's going on in this chapter? What are yeah. some highlights? What are, what are some verses that stick out? Um, so yeah. hopefully that overview is good. Hey, do you want to talk about the app real quick? Uh, for anybody oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, sure. uh, that's listening, uh, because we have a new uh, Christ Fellowship Church app, right? Yep. And the podcast is on it. It is, yeah. So you can download that app, uh, Christ, and you want to put the apostrophe Christ's Fellowship Church, um, and that should pop up in your app store, whether you're using uh, Google Play, Apple, or I think even Amazon. It's also, I think, on Apple TV and Roku app. Um, but you can download those there on those Play Stores, or you can go to our website at cfclawton.org, and on the first page, the homepage, if you'll scroll scroll toward the bottom, there'll be an image there for you to click on where you can download it. And then when you get that app, you'll have there'll be a sermons section where the sermons will be posted. A lot of our older sermons aren't on there yet because we'll have to upload them, but uh, moving forward, all the new ones will be there. And then also it's live streamed. Our service will be live streamed on that app and also YouTube and Facebook, I think, at the same time. Um, 
And, but also there's a tab for the podcast. And so Text Driven Tuesday and Free For All Fridays are on there in their own section. So you can hop on there and you can uh, you can watch there. Watch or listen. You can switch to audio. <clears throat> and there's a Bible uh, on there. You can click on a tab. It'll bring the Bible up for you. Even read the Bible to you. So if, you, if you're real busy, you drive a lot in your commute, you can just put the Bible on on an audio version and listen to it. And it brings up some related resources. Uh-huh. So if you go to Romans, mm-hmm. you'll start seeing sermons. Yep. Uh, yeah, podcast pretty, too. Doesn't yeah. it, it pops yeah. up the podcast too. Any related items. It's pretty it's pretty amazing, really. It's yeah, good. Yeah. And it's uh and it's secure if you're worried about that. You know, it's the same one that Grace to You runs off of, so no worries there mm-hmm. for your security. So you'll uh you just be able to hop on. Yeah. 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 Um so that's uh, that's for everybody, but we want to especially encourage our members to uh to be getting the app so that we can uh be connected yeah and uh it's not connected to uh my phone's not connected to the screen but that's what you're looking for yeah there you there, go there it is yep so yeah. so good uh good tool for us to to use for the church yep all right and there's an easter egg too so i'll throw that out there the lettering of our app is an easter egg we'll see who figures it out first okay <laughs> okay all right <laughs> and it, you'll have to know our background of where we are located. We are located southwest Oklahoma, close to like Fort Sill is right here. It's mm-hmm. pretty much in our back door. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so we'll see if somebody figures out that Easter egg. Okay. Now I'm now I'm curious. Now you're curious. Now I'm curious. I mean, I'll tell you yeah. what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just whisper it in my ear, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I don't know. Off to a good start this year. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, we're uh, looking forward to going through the book of Romans. We'll uh, be going through Romans, go through Malachi, maybe start Matthew at some point. Yeah. So uh, looking forward to this year and, and all that God's going to do for us here at Christ Fellowship Church and on the Conform to Christ podcast. So if this has been beneficial for you, please make sure to like, subscribe, share, get the word out. Um, if you have uh, If you have any questions drop a comment uh, in the link and uh, hopefully you have a wonderful week and we will see you Friday maybe? Maybe. Maybe Friday. I don't know. All right. Uh, All right. God bless.